Hey everybody, thanks for checking out this week's episode of My First Sketch at MyFirstSketch.com. I'm Josh Hyam. As always, feel free to subscribe to the show on iTunes or on SoundCloud. Get it automatically. You can catch the show on Stitcher if you use that app. Like the podcast on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MyFirstSketch. My email is Josh at MyFirstSketch.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at MyFirstSketch. Okay, let's get some business out of the way. I'm letting you all know with plenty of warning so you can plan ahead accordingly. It was just announced. My first sketch will be taking place as part of Philly PodFest on July 23rd at Philly Improv Theater's second stage. It's a Sunday afternoon, 4.30 p.m. And I'm just as excited to tell you that my guests for that live recording will be the incredible shrinking Matt and Jackie. But that's a few weeks from now, and I'll tell you more about it every week until we get there. Also, before that, I will be one of 60 people performing a piece during one-minute monologues. This Saturday, May 27th at 7 p.m. at Good Good Comedy. So come and see me and a couple dozen others give you a bunch of quick laughs one after another. But this episode that you're listening to now is the next in a series of interviews with the former members of my old sketch group, The Judo Range. So I'm really pleased that today's guest is Matt J, formerly a member of Judo Range and currently the creator of the Cartoons 101 YouTube channel. We talk about it a bit later, but Matt is the one that actually sent the email out inviting a number of people to get together and become The Judo Range. The sketch he brought with him is not the first sketch he ever wrote, but really it's the first sketch performed by Judo Range. It's called Rushmore Duty where a park ranger gives out assignments to his employees. Matt J. plays Ranger Perkins, the commanding officer. Joe Moore is Ranger Bennigan. Matt Allcamp is Ranger Appleby. And I give whatever visual information you need to know. And I have a cameo at the end as Ranger Golden Corral. So let's go to the sketch. And that concludes the minutes of yesterday's meeting. Uh, let's get to this week. Bennigan, you're on Rushmore duty. Appleby, start talking to me about payroll. Barely paying, a, barely paying attention at first, Bennigan perks up at the sound of his name and realizes he has no idea what Rushmore duty is, raising his hand. Wait a second. Ranger Perkins, Rushmore duty? Oh, yeah, I guess this is your first Rushmore duty. Good luck, son. No, I don't, I don't actually know what that is, sir. Jesus, don't they even train your rookies anymore? It's your week to drive up the mountain and feed Mount Rushmore. Bennigan is slightly taken aback as Perkins returns to business. Okay, let's get payroll out of the way. Some of you guys have been putting in some extra hours, and I don't... Whoa, 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 wait. Feed Mount Rushmore? Yes, damn it. Now stop interrupting so we can get to work. Payroll, now. How? how? Why? Jesus Christ, Bennigan. We feed Mount Rushmore so they don't awaken and destroy America. Now let Ranger Appleby talk to me about payroll. Just one second, sir. You're telling me Mount Rushmore is sentient and could awaken at any moment to destroy the country unless we feed them on a week-to-week basis? Yes, Bennigan, that's exactly what I'm saying. Why do you think we have to bury them up so high? Do you want me to tell you how to buckle your belt and tie your shoes, too? Now shut the fuck up, Appleby. Payroll, now! Bennigan raises his hands to to Paul's Perkins. He takes a second to process what he's just heard as Perkins fumes. Just... Just one more, Ranger Perkins. How do I feed them? Perkins pinches the bridge of his nose and slams the manila folder to the table. 
You get a truck, you go to Home Depot, you load it up with Mexicans, then you go and feed Mount Rushmore. The Mexicans are there to help me feed Mount Rushmore, right? No, Bennigan, now let Rangers Appleby and Fuddrucker talk to me about the payroll. Fuck! Wait, where's Fuddrucker? Oh, uh, he's flushing the Lincoln Memorial. I don't think I can accept this responsibility, sir. God, Bennigan, when you were hired, you took an oath to know and keep certain government secrets that must be withheld from the general public lest they lose their collective shit. No, I can't. I can't do this. I'm sorry I have to go. Bennigan exits. Well, someone's got to go feed Mount Rushmore. Where's Ranger Golden Corral? I uh, think he's on Statue of Liberty duty. Oh, wait, here he is now. Ranger Golden Corral enters the scene, bow-legged, soaking wet, and shaking. He is in his underwear and a park ranger hat with a horrified look on his face. How'd it go? Keeping her happy? <sighs> I don't want to talk about it. All right. Hey, Matt. Hey, Josh. All right, so uh, this wasn't your first, first sketch, but this was the first sketch in our incarnation of Judo Range. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would, uh, it wasn't the first, first sketch, but I think it's like the first sketch of mine that like mattered. Right. Like not, not just to me, but like as me as like a comedian. So where, where did this idea come from? Uh, it, it literally came from me imagining one day, like who feeds Mount Rushmore? <laughs> like what, what do they eat? What do they <laughs> they don't have any arms. How do they, how does it happen? You do realize that they're rocks and mountain, like, and chiseled into a mountain. Yeah. Like, how, wait, how, like, when did you think that Mount Rushmore had to eat? You knew me. I was like, it was like six years ago. <laughs> I was like 21. <laughs> cool. So that's, that's, that's good. Everybody's got to eat. That's Josh. helpful to know. All right. So you and I met doing, uh, Kevin Allison's workshop mm -hmm. in. Friend of the podcast. 2011. We, we. Where I think there was like 11 or 12 of us in that class. Yeah, it was something like that. Uh, and that was the first time I performed sketch comedy at the end of that class, like as a show. And then shortly after that, I got an email, I think from you. Mm -hmm. Hey, do you want to do a, a group? Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't just to me. There, it was a mass email to a bunch of different people. Mm -hmm. So that became Judo Range or yes. our like, incarnation. I liked your moxie. Yeah. And I enjoyed uh, your sense of humor. Uh, that's, that's. Uh, generous, like <laughs> <laughs> to say that you have a sense of humor, <laughs> or moxie, or any of that good stuff. All right, so Judo Range. Um, so this was the first sketch that we did as Judo Range. Yeah, we did it at SketchUp or Shut Up, I think. Or yeah. Was it a theme show for no? I oh think, no, I, I think the first place we did it was at the Camp Woods Open Mic. I wasn't think it? that's right. The open mic at in Camp Woods's house because, in their living yes, room because I couldn't go to that. Because I just had my identity stolen like that morning, <laughs> so <laughs> Wait, you know, don't remember that. I probably knew it at the time. Yeah, like I we we were meeting somewhere, and everyone's like, "Hey, let's go hang out." I was like, "I've got no money because my credit card was just stolen this oh morning, so I'm gonna go home. See you guys next week." That happened to me a few months ago when I was at Disney World. Like that's awful. And they it's... had to shut my credit card down while I was in line to meet Donald Duck, <laughs> to meet so, Mexico Donald Duck. I was so on the phone were... with my credit card company. Entirely heartbroken by that. <laughs> no, it was more like it, it was more like okay, did the did the uh, charges get you know disputed? Like you it know, did. I'm it in, it I'm took in, forever though. I'm in like, Orlando, Florida. Is that okay? And then they just should shut the card off. And no, I was like, you screw I, it. I'm meeting Donald well, Duck. Well, that that time there were charges from Portugal. 
Okay. I've never been to Portugal. No. Anywhere Still? near Portugal. No, no. <laughs> Haven't been to Europe since I was 15 years old. So. Yeah. They were like Best Buy gift cards from Portugal. It was bizarre. <laughs> so, so I didn't do it the first time we did it, but I did take over the role every official time we did it after that, where I played Golden Corral and I was in my underwear. And I just remember, like, as you guys were doing the actual sketch, I have a spritz bottle. I'm just uh-huh. spritzing myself, <laughs> spritzing myself, making sure I'm shiny, like, shiny and wet, shiny and wet. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Uh, We'll go back to the beginning. I ask everyone, what did you, you've, you've built a mini career of being a fan of, <laughs> of, you know, being very vocal about what you love. So what were you watching when you grew up? What made you laugh? What Dude, was your first introduction to comedy? I was just listening to you, to one of your podcast episodes where you say you didn't have cable when you were a yeah. kid. I don't know what that's like because yeah. I've had cable my entire, I've had cable and a TV in my room for as long as I can remember. I can't remember not having HBO in my room. I had a TV Probably when I was like ten, but still no cable. But I just, all I did was so, watch television. So what do you watch? Like, uh, in terms of, uh, I'll start with comedy. In terms of comedy, it was like everything on Comedy Central. I was watching SNL reruns. Mm-hmm. I was watching every stand-up comedian that I could find. Uh, I was watching Kids in the Hall, especially like Kids in the Hall was my jam. Like, how young were you with Kids in the Hall? Because, dude, I remember watching uh, a, an episode of Kids in the Hall. It had to have been like seven or eight probably like nine at my aunt's house and it was specifically the sketch where uh who was it i think it was um uh i think it was mark mckinney is getting his girlfriend who is dave foley to watch his favorite scenes from movies and you just eventually realize that all of his scenes involve anal sex and he's trying, and he's trying to convince her. I remember watching that sketch with my aunt and laughing because he's watching the scene from Deliverance where he says "squeal like a piggy," and I just and I just thought that was funny. And my aunt's like, "Why are you laughing at this?" And I had to like, but like that's how young I was. Like I was like so young that I wasn't getting the joke jokes. You were getting oh, "squeal like a piggy" is funny. Like yeah, exactly. I just I, I thought it was funny that he keeps showing her this movie where a pig gets attacked by I, a man. <laughs> the only time that I was able to watch cable was when we went on vacation and like the, you know the the place that we stayed had cable and I would watch kids in the hall and it was immediately banned. Cause like the first thing I saw was a chicken lady sketch <laughs> and I had no clue what was happening in the chicken lady sketch. Cause I was that young. I didn't understand that she like mm-hmm. chicken lady just masturbates the entire premise of the sketch <laughs> for five minutes. And then that's it. But my parents were like, you can't watch this anymore. I was like, okay. Like, my parents would try. I grew up in two households. I grew up. From, I come from a broken home. Okay. <laughs> so I grew up with my mom, uh, and I would and my see my dad on the weekends. My dad would try and ban things. He'd be like, "You're not allowed to watch South Park." And then I'd be like, "You're not. Like, who's gonna stop me?" <laughs> Even if my mom in the house would tell me, "I'm like, it's ten o'clock, and I'm supposed to be asleep." And I turn the TV on. I'm gonna watch whatever the hell I want. You can't. And it was like before the age of like V chips and right. stuff, and you could. And then even then, they didn't install one they're not gonna buy a chip to no. put on my tv um because i don't think i had a tv that had a v-chip until i was like 20 like <laughs> i didn't like i knew that they were you know built in at a certain point and then oh okay it's a fun trick to go into someone's house and turn on their v-chip and just leave and don't tell them the password <laughs> mom a, i can't watch melrose What's that's wrong? a fun game um all right so uh i asked everybody you know Night live who would be your favorite cast member my favorite, like, number one cast member? Because mm-hmm. I like to play fantasy SNL where I try and build a team. Don't do that. Just number favorite all time. Number one cast member of all time? It's the first one that jumps to my mind is a more recent one, but I think in 20 years, people will be like, Beck Bennett's one of the greats. Like, Beck Bennett is an incredible okay. uh, utility player. But, like, of all time, it's probably Farley. It's, Farley. it's probably Chris Farley because he could do 
everything. Like he could do, he could play like a businessman and put a suit on and play like the guy uh, uh, in like the Japanese game show. And he sure. could also play like this, this big, crazy, drunk uh, idiot, like smashing things mm-hmm. or Matt Foley or, you know, all these amazing characters. Like he, he had no, no limits. And if he were still around, he'd have three Oscars by now and, would be a hero to me. I, I, Although, I, if, Chris, if, if uh, Eddie Murphy died when he was on SNL, I wouldn't say the same thing about him. Right. Like, I don't know. There's a part of me that thinks that like Chris Farley could definitely get Oscars, but I don't think he would be... I think he'd try at least once. Picking the role. Like, he was going to do that Fatty Arbuckle movie. I was, I was about to say, I know there was a role that he was like... There are a couple. Every that it was going while, to be like an Oscar bait thing And he was going to be in... Um, I mean, one of the many, many incarnations of a uh, confederacy of dunces. Like every every movie you find that didn't get made in the '90s, Chris Farley like, was yeah, attached at some yeah, point. Chris Farley was—he could have been a Batman villain. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they probably passed that by him. Um, so, what introduced you to comedy? Like live performance? How do you get to? Like introduced me to me doing it. Yeah, I, I worked at a uh, like a copy shop on South Street, and uh, Greg Mon from the Philly Improv Theater came in and did some copies for Fit. And I was like, what is this? And he told me what it was. And like that night I was, I was volunteering and oh, wow. I walked from, it was right, it was like a block away. I just watched from work over there and was like, what do I do? And he was like, show some stuff for like three hours. <laughs> I don't know what you do. <laughs> Go somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come back later. Uh, so what, um, so what classes do you do with Fit? Uh, I start, well, when I started there, I wanted to do sketch mm-hmm. and there was no sketch curriculum. Uh, so I started taking improv classes and started doing improv okay. and I still do improv. Uh, so let's do improv classes. Who did 101? 101 was, uh, oh my God, what's his name? He moved away like right after. You drove him out of the city. Okay, I did. Good. It was my terrible improv that drove him. I cannot remember his name right now. Every once in a while you'll mention his name and like one person in a room of 50 will be like, oh yeah, I remember that guy. Okay. Like he, he is not around much. He was on a house team called King Friday. Uh, which was a great house team. <laughs> as, <laughs> as multiple people in this room go what and look up who's name? in King Friday. I, I, I know 201, I had Nick Gillette. That's easy to remember because Nick Gillette is a superstar and is awesome. Uh, I cannot remember this guy's name for the life of me, but and it's like he was a good guy and he was cool. And it was uh, like, I'm not forgetting it because he's not a good improviser. <laughs> All right, let's see who gets it first. Not currently oh, active. Oh, uh, uh, he was on Grimaccio with Ralph. Ralph Andracchio. Jason so, Grimsley. Yes. Okay. Could not remember his name. I started with Grim. I knew that. Well, th- you could have started with that and we could have... I remembered it. I. <laughs> you took that journey with me. All right. 101 with Jason Grimsley. Grimsley. Uh, two I think o- it was Grimley. Grimley. No, no S. Ed Grimley. Right. Uh, <laughs> 201 with Nick Gillette. Three. 301, I don't think I took until like a couple years ago. I think I buddied it. And then... Who- uh, and it was... Was it Mike Marbach? I think it was Mike. You took the class. I didn't. And I don't know. No, who was it? Check my receipts. We'll just say Mike Marbach. It's fine. I think it was Mike Marbach. I buddied a bunch of classes. Okay. I, I did Steve, um, Steve Lur. I buddied one of his. I, and then, so the first sketch class that you do at Fit would have been the Kevin Allison class? Yeah. Okay. The only sketch, the only sketch class I've done to this day is Kevin Allison. Because by the time sketch like 101 rolled around, you had already done enough like that you're like, whatever. And, stuff and, and I was like, and I wanted to do it. I just never like, right. It was never like I could get, you know, 300 bucks together. So you, because I was already doing sketch stuff. So I'm, I'm fine. I'm kind of intrigued at the fact that you just meet Greg Mon randomly and like, oh, okay, yeah, we're going to. walked into the place I worked in. Yeah. <laughs> that's odd because everyone else just like, I Googled it. And I was like, oh, so Google is really good. Cool. Yeah. Um, all right, so you 
We do judo range, and mm-hmm. it was the second sketch team I was on. There, because there was uh, mini, mini boss. boss. Yeah, mini boss was a sketch team with just Chris McGrail, uh, and me. Noel Houlihan was on it for uh, for a short bit, and then Tom Whitaker was also on mm-hmm. it. And we all kind of it was like a it was Noah was there for like one show, and then, then right. he kind of went to stand up in South Jersey for the rest of his life, <laughs> and then uh, it was just kind of Tom, Chris, and me. All right, and then I. You know, I kind of hesitated to ask you a little bit because Judo Range flamed out so spectacularly. A bit. Like a lot of us were younger than we are now. <laughs> uh, you know, and yeah, I definitely like hold up to uh, you know young and immaturity and everything. Because mm-hmm. I talked to Chris McGrail a couple of weeks ago, and <laughs> and I couldn't remember if you quit, if we fired you, or if we just stopped talking to you. Uh, I think it was all. Three <laughs> <times>. <laughs> I couldn't remember. What. I quit. I had like a bunch of bad life stuff going on at mm-hmm. the time and like doing and like being on that sketch team uh and hating myself and stuff right was like and then my reaction to that was just to disappear <laughs> like right America, so well, that wasn't to say hey guys i'm really sorry i love all of you and i think you're wonderful people and wonderful friends and i love being on a team with you but i need to go hate right. myself in silence for like three years <laughs> uh because like the big thing that like the night that judo range became not fun with you specifically and i'll, and I'll you know we'll go into this mm-hmm. Uh, was, I'll go into this. was, was Camp Woods person. Plus. We did Camp Woods Plus uh-huh. at Latage. Chris McGrail is sick and in the bathroom, and you're freaking out about where's Chris McGrail? And like, <laughs> he's having diarrhea. Come down. I don't know He'll, if I knew that. Well, right, but like, <laughs> like, and like Chris is like, uh, like just pale and just awful. <laughs> like we're pushing through the show, and then I thought so many things mattered back then. That <laughs> I just don't think that. Like, <laughs> And then I don't, yeah. Then I don't remember. Like I don't think any of us just were like, eh, let's just not talk to Matt J for a while. Like, no, it was my, I, I did it. Right, right. <laughs> and then and McGrail said that too. Like, you know, I think he officially quit. Like, I think that was the official. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, so we weren't just like, oh, screw this guy. It was just hard to. It was hard enough to get things to get the word to all of you that like mattered. That like we had like shows that evening or something. Like it was hard enough to like get a hold of any of any of the like 11 crazy early 20s people that yeah. we all were that to like even say that was like so difficult <laughs> for me <laughs> well we uh like in junior range was such an odd time and an odd like odd group like mm-hmm. we were only together for about nine months but we did basically a show a mo- like we we prolific might not be the right word but we did a lot in that time mm-hmm. i feel um but we were meeting in weird places like what was that place on South Street that had no electricity? Oh my God! Yeah, you remember that? Like it was like a, it was like a half a like open art space, half a like consignment shop that this yeah. woman was opening up, who we learned was crazy. She but was a crazy person. She refused to. She was like, I think she her explanation was that she was shopping around for electricity. Yeah, and that's why she didn't and have like, power for in this building for a month. Yeah, and then we were like a museum piece where people would come in and be like. Like, these are our writers and residents. Yeah. And we're like, no, we're not. Get out of here. Oh, like, she did call us that, yeah. Like, like people were like, hey, can these guys watch you? No, that's not a thing. That's not yeah. part of the creative for process here. It was here. just like, no, you told us we could practice here for $11 like, for an hour. Yeah, like, get out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she was like, see these people. These are mm-hmm. my people. And we're like, no, we're not. <laughs> get out of here. Yeah, that group, it was a lot of us were like very poor and lived outside the city. So, like, getting us together in mm-hmm. one space was really hard. Yeah. <laughs> like you're getting us in in the same area where we could like say disgusting horrible sketches <laughs> like the one we just read. 
Yes. Because uh, you can't just go, you can go to a coffee shop and like write together and like pitch ideas together. But like when you're holding scripts in front of each other in a coffee shop, like reading sketches out loud, that's when it gets a little weird. Yeah, it becomes a spectacle and you're like, why are these yeah. people like, because um, we would we would meet in Rainhouse Park for a while. Mm-hmm. Like there were just random bizarre places. Like, you know, <laughs> Ian's apartment was good for a while, but he had to get, we had to leave at a certain point because his roommates came back or mm-hmm. And then eventually Bly's apartment, which was awesome, but there was a dog, and we were all distracted by the dog. <laughs> and, like, it was a good dog. It was a good dog. <laughs> uh, so, she all right. such a cool apartment. <laughs> all right, after Judah Range and this lull of hating yourself, what are you doing, like, comedy-wise? Uh, what did I do after? I think I started doing improv a lot more. I wasn't mm. doing as much sketch stuff. You do Im- – it's what's the, the duo you have with – Oh, Brioni? Brioni. Oh, that's it's, way it's, later. That's, but it, that's it's Brioni because I've been saying Brioni forever. Brioni. Yeah, I've been some saying people it. say Brioni. Some people, we're like, it's a word. <laughs> <laughs> is it actually like what? It, yeah, it's like, a it's a brand of suit. It's an Italian suit brand. Why does that become your name? Because we did a sketch that I wrote about James Bond, and there were some jokes about his suits in it. Because uh, Joey and I are both big James Bond fans, and we're both very fascinated by the suits he wears. <laughs> Uh, and that's one of them. And we and in the sketch, he yells Brioni several times. And then that became a thing. Joey and I would yell at each other. And then okay. we, when we made a duo, he was like, let's just call it Brioni. Was, was that sketch an iron sketch? Yes. Okay, because it, def- it feels like it sounds second. like it. All right, so you do iron sketch, yeah. at least. Yeah, I moved away for a little while, and then I came back, uh, did iron sketch. Uh, that kind of got me back into like the sketch scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also did an improv show called Sorkin Corp. Right, um, right, right, right. Yeah, Sorkin Corp was an improvised show in the style of Aaron Sorkin shows. At the Figment, right? Yes, it was, it was a Figment Theater seasonal show, uh, and then we did it for like a certain amount of weeks. We practiced for like months. Like it's, It was like a full show that we right. put on, and then we, we did it once in a while after that, but we, because Figment's not around anymore, it's right. been hard to get together and do. Um, but that got me back into improv. And I do kind of improv more than sketch these days just because it's easier. Like, it's so much. It's you can you, just show up and do you it. Just like, show up and do it, dude. Uh, let's go back to Sorkin Corp. Who's involved in that? Sorkin Corp uh, was directed by uh, Matt. Uh, uh, it's, God, who's on Sorkin Corp? It's, I, have to, I can't talk. Oh, my gosh. Sorkin Corp has a lot of people on it. Sean's on it. I've also am bad with last names. Uh, Sean's on it. Uh, Matt directed it. Uh, Matt Nelson. Matt Nelson directed it. Uh, I guess that hang one. On, so. I'm gonna bring up a list right now. We haven't done it in like two years. <laughs> Info members. All right, let's see. Aj Markin, who lives in New York. Okay. Alyssa B. Jackson, who now lives in L.A. Jess Snow. Uh, Matt Nelson, the director. Rob O'Neill, wonderful, wonderful man. They're all wonderful people, but Rob O'Neill is especially wonderful. Shannon Devito. Uh, Sean Kreider and me, Matthew J. All right. My name's on there last because it's my Facebook page <laughs> that I'm looking at. Um, so I don't, I don't think I ever saw this work in court, but it was an idea that intrigued me because it was a good show. Like it was as a much fun like, show to put together. Everyone loves West Wing, but I'm like actually particularly fond of Sports Night. Yeah, uh, a lot of other lot than of that first Night. season with the laugh track where it's an off, off-putting and What's annoying. What's the name of the two guys from Sports Night? Uh, the the main two characters. That. Characters? Yeah, the characters' names. Um, Casey and Dan. Those names we used a lot. We, we would do a thing where we'd try and all the names we had for one night, we tried to keep from one Sorkin show, just okay. as like a bit for ourselves. And those two names would come up a lot. Sean and I ended up being the, uh, like, uh, we would always end up together as some bit together, and we'd always say we ended up being those two guys mm-hmm. uh, throughout the show. But it, it's a... It's a um, 
not a mono scene because it's all one it's we we did it with like a three-act structure and we did a lot of studying about the Sorkin tropes and the Sorkin character archetypes. Mm-hmm. So we would, and we wouldn't assign them. We just realize after the first act, oh, okay, so I've been playing this kind of character he does. And then we'd have a whiteboard in the back that we'd be writing down, okay, Matt did this, so no one else can do this, so someone else right. did something. And it ended up being like the most uh, like interesting thought process and interesting muscles to work that I've like almost ever done in a comedy show. It's really hmm. cool. And also I love Aaron Sorkin right. you know, for all his greatness and terribleness so that was also really even though I, I mostly knew the show or the movies um before i did that and watched just so much but I he's watched, he's way more of a tv person than a i movie know but person. i mostly like, knew like social network and uh like some of the other movies he's written and then then that show and i had seen like the west wing but then doing that show was what got me to watch like all of the newsroom and uh most of sports night and uh newsroom is that's an interesting show. <laughs> that is a one hell of a show. So you, you're doing improv more than sketch now because you just say it's easier. Like mm-hmm. you know, uh, I already I'm already screwed up the name of. So it's Brioni. Brioni. What else are you doing in improv? Say it like that. I'm not gonna say it like All that. Right. What What else improv keeps you busy? Like uh, right now, nothing. I was just, on a just, team okay. called Taft for a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a fun show or a, a fun team uh, that wasn't around for that long. Right. But, uh, but I mostly do my YouTube channel now, which takes up so much of my time that like I can't really do other things. Well, yeah. And like before the YouTube channel, uh, you did a show at Fit for a while called uh, oh, Deep yeah. Cuts. Did a show for two years. <laughs> <laughs> that I forgot. Way to remember and, that. Uh, Mr. Joe Moore was here, produced. Uh, you and Chris McGrail. Chris McGrail. Did, Chris, did you and Chris talk about this at all? A little bit. I don't remember. It's not out yet. I haven't heard it. I, I haven't either. Um, uh, you dove into your obsessions of various pop culture, and, and you did it for two years, and I'm just like, how are you obsessing about that many things? Like, I got a lot of free time <laughs> like, most of the time, except for right now. But uh, I just love, like we, like we talked about, like I, was, I grew up, I was raised by television. I was obsessed by, t- by TV mm-hmm. as a kid and growing up and still am, and by like movies and comic books. Uh, and like there's like I just love pop culture and like stuff to do with pop culture like I love anything I like I would try and watch every TV show as a kid like I'd, I'd try and get everything every in. like like even, I would I would sit down for anything see I would like my strategy was always at least try the new comedy because I was always a comedy person mm-hmm. more than a drama well, especially person. comedy I'd watch every sitcom because I, I you know don't care about whatever procedural drama like but you know, I would try every sitcom. I was like, oh, this isn't good or yeah. this is stupid. Like early 2000s. This isn't on TGIF. I don't want to watch exactly, this. Yes. Oh, I love TGIF. Like late 90s, early 2000s, like early to mid 2000s, probably every sitcom you can like pull, I either watched or like know, or at least, or at least was aware enough uh, about to like not watch. You know what I mean? Is there like a hidden gem in, in that pile of... Uh, man, that was at the time when people were turning on sitcoms. So I was watching a lot of them where I was like, this show isn't bad just because it has three cameras. Right. Like, uh, uh, I think Yes Dear has some pretty funny stuff in it. I think Michael O'Malley's pretty funny on okay. that show. Um, but also, like, even the big shows, people were just crapping on all the time. Like, like people still say Everybody Loves Raymond's not a good show. And those people are full of shit. Like, it's a great <laughs> show, and it's hilarious. Who are you looking at? <laughs> Don't give me that look, Joe. Uh, Everybody Loves Raymond is a great show. Um, you know what? The one I would pull, another big show a lot of people crap on uh, is Will and Grace. I think Will and Grace should be essential viewing for a lot of people, especially, like, in this day and age. Like, I think the show did a lot of great things. I think it holds up really well. Mm-hmm. I think in the, like, post-Parks and Rec, the office age, 
it's still really funny and like a I think it still survives on its comedy in like a Frasier-esque way where yeah. like it's not just a three camera sitcom it's it's better and smarter than you think it is and mm-hmm. the performances are incredible like it's some of the best comedic performances yeah I, I always forget that time Mangal Lali's voice is not that voice yeah and exactly but it's so natural and, and so good like um mark mckinney on uh do you watch uh superstore no it's on now mark mckinney's on it. he does like a weird voice mm. and people and at first i think people reacted poorly to it but like it's so natural and good he's got like this muppety voice that he puts on and it's not for <laughs> no reason it enhances the character right and he still sounds canadian even though he's not canadian I, in the show mark mckinney sounded canadian when he did that the character with david keckner the uh the two fops like the two yeah old like i, I what I don't know what era that would have been Victorian Fops the mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll show those, those characters I'll put a did video up of it for the SNL forty no <laughs> I would have okay if they did um, remember when Mark McKinney was on SNL <laughs> like even that on a for job. a couple of years yeah was, yeah he was on there for a while yeah um, so now you have that YouTube channel mm-hmm. Cartoons one hundred and one mm-hmm. and all right when we're, we're recording this in the first week of April I don't know when this is gonna go up anymore. Uh, you put up an April Fool's joke, which confused me <laughs> because you didn't put it up on April Fool's. No, my videos go up on a certain day, and I couldn't. I didn't want to wait. Like, <laughs> just just seeing the just seeing the headline of it, I was like, wait, what? That's that's a dumb thing. Like, what mystery of Steve Urkel? Like, <laughs> and then you it was a whole you know joke episode of it, which mm-hmm. was you know funny when I. Not just that, not just when that, it not, was a joke episode. Not just did the video not go out on April Fools. It's a bit I've been doing to my girlfriend for like a year, where I, I will start talking to her as if I'm gonna have a real conversation because I'm a bad boyfriend. Right. I will start talking to her as if I'm gonna have a real conversation, and I'll be like, "Hey, you watched Full House, right?" And she'll mm-hmm. be like, "Yeah." Or sometimes now I have to start it more cryptically than that. I'd be like, "I'd be like, remember the show in the '90s?" Uh, so I'll be like, "You watched Full House?" And she'll be like, yeah. And I'll be like, remember that episode where Steve Urkel was on it? And she'll be like, no, what, what happens in that episode? And I'm like, Steve Urkel came on uh, an episode. You know, his cousin was there, and he was visiting his cousin. Uh, and Steve Urkel comes on, and he teaches it's Stephanie. It's so, so convenient that Steve Urkel has cousins yeah. in every major city every in America. City. So he can pop into every major sitcom on ABC. He, he, has, he, has, he has a cousin uh, in uh, the Paleolithic era. He visited dinosaurs <laughs> one time. What? Uh, no, that didn't happen. I, I was going to say, then, like, but then I don't I'll, remember I'll that. Be like, I'll be like, Steve Urkel was on Full House. He taught Stephanie it was okay to wear glasses. Yeah. And then she thought it was cool because like a nerd was telling her, like, be yourself. And then he never shows up again. Why did they introduce this character <laughs> just to be on that one episode and then never show up again? <laughs> And then it doesn't make any sense because he's this big character. He's got catchphrases. It's almost like they knew who he was. Like people go crazy when he shows up. The audience goes nuts. I don't understand it. Uh, so cartoons, but yeah, the actual channel, not the joke shows about Full House. Actual channel, Cartoons One Hundred One. What what started this for? Like why? Uh, I wanted to practice voiceover. I was starting. I decided to become. I've always wanted to be a voiceover artist, and I started to become serious about it. And I started getting a couple like paid gigs to mm-hmm. do it, and then I. Don't know how to make a voice real because they say don't do it yourself, do it professionally, and that costs a lot of money. So I just decided to make a video essay about um, uh, Robin Williams playing the genie, right? About what a weird story it is for mm-hmm. that he because like, he played it, and then they messed with his contract a bunch, and then he quit and said he'd never work with Disney again, and they got him back, and it's like a really interesting story. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I just made it. I was like, what if they were all about animation? Because animation is my favorite thing. I love. Like, of all the obsessions we've been talking about, animation is the number one. Why? I love everything animated. Why animation? Because uh, I'm a man-child, mostly, because <laughs> okay. I love cartoons. Because uh, it's the medium, 
where you can do literally anything. Mm-hmm. And people say that about a lot of things. Like people say that about film or whatever. But like animation, it's the only thing where it's true. Like you can do literally 100% of anything you can ever imagine. The only limitation is your imagination and sometimes budget. Budget gets weird with animation. Right. Uh, but that's exactly why. Because cause you can do anything in an, in an animated cartoon and it'll be believable within that universe. Yeah, you can, you can swim through a vault of coins. Yeah. Despite the oppressive weight that that would be. <laughs> and the incredible strength you would need to move through said vault of coins. Well, it's And then spit them out. It's because you know years of being uh, being exposed to gold has cre- has created a certain dust, like a film that uh, exists on the outside <laughs> of Scrooge McDuck's feathers that creates that lets him uh, frictionlessly. That's not, not true. That's true. That's that's, that's the, the actual reason. <laughs> yeah. Wait, the, who created this canon reason? Uh, I think Don Rosa thought of that. <laughs> Carl Barks might have, but I think it was Don Rosa. All right, I don't know either of those names, so that's fine. <laughs> um, all right, so you're. Cartoons 101, what like, what are you diving into? Because I saw that video recently about you know Lego Batman, and you're just like, all right, I'm gonna have to do like thousands of videos about Lego <laughs> Batman, Lego I, Batman coming up. Just like it, people like on YouTube when something's part of a series, and if you start and uh, if you start a video that's a series, you want to say like, there's more of this coming. So mm-hmm. I, I thought it'd be fun to do that. I mean that one particularly. I saw Lego Batman. And I was like, oh, it'd be fun to do a video about like all the Easter eggs in it. And then I was like 11 minutes in, I was like, Jesus, like this whole movie's Easter eggs. So that'd be fun to start uh, and just every couple months go back and do a video about like a big chunk of the Easter eggs mm-hmm. and see how long that takes me. So I started with uh, Doug Benson playing Bane and yeah. why that happened. Because when I saw he was cast as Bane, I knew that. Or I was like, oh, of course, because of his ridiculous, stupid joke. Right. And then like, I was so annoyed because like the, the news of all the, the casting came out like, Maybe I didn't see it previously, but it all came out like the week before that movie came out. And I was like, oh, cool. Conan O'Brien's a Riddler. Yeah, Conan, Jason Manzoukas. He has one line. Like, yeah, literally I was one so line. annoyed. Uh, that everyone except for uh, Doug Benson's Bane and like Jenny Slate's Harley Quinn has one line. In that so movie. annoying. <laughs> that, like, still really so good. I'm hoping that that DVD has like just. Yeah, that's what I hope for. Deleted too. scenes of just, you know, Riddler and Clayface and all those you know, crazy ones. For some of those people, it's like a big deal. Like Billy D. Williams playing Two-Face yeah. and for Conan playing the Riddler because Conan has said many times that part of my, like, actually one of the reasons I became obsessed with, like, comic books was, like, hearing uh, Conan O'Brien talk about the Batman 66 show and mm-hmm. I would watch that as a kid. And I, so I went into that show, a lot of people go into that show thinking like, oh, it's a silly, goofy show. And, oh, they were so dumb and they made this dumb show. But like, no, like I knew from the first time I watched it. No, this, you don't make the show by accident. Like Batman 66, everyone making that show knew exactly what they were doing. It's one of the greatest pieces of comedy of like that century. It's Mm -hmm. incredible. Every episode of that show is hilarious. And it's that way on purpose. They they didn't just try and make a Batman show and go, oh, we accidentally made the funniest thing ever. Right. But I think it's confusing to us 50 years later where... You know, our Batman is entirely different than mm-hmm. that. The last generation. Every every time a new Batman comes out, they try and we try and crap on the last generation's mm-hmm. Batman. <laughs> like when uh, Christian Bale Batman came out, everyone was like, "Oh, the Tim Burton Batman is dumb." And it's like we spent twenty years saying like it's like the coolest thing ever. Yeah. And then same when the eighty nine Batman came out, it was like, "No, Adam West's Batman is stupid." And people try and like retcon it as. Oh no! We all thought it was silly. We all we all got it. we all like just thought it was campy and we silly. were all in on like, the joke. Yeah, it's like no, like like it was cool at the time. People loved that show, and it was a huge hit, even though it was only on for three years. Like right. Star Trek, it was only on for three years. Um, but it was like, you know, that show wasn't made by accident. They were trying to make a funny, yeah, cool show. Uh, so why comedy? Why comedy? Just in general? Yeah, I just like it. I just I can't. 
I have this sickness where I can't just like a thing. I have to like be involved with it in some way. Like if mm -hmm. I, if like I'm obsessed with video games, I have to like try and make a video game. Mm -hmm. Like I love everything from Japan. So I have to like learn Japanese, like that kind of thing. Like I love comedy. So I want to try and make it. Uh, and it's just like the most fun way to, cause I could just sit in my room and just watch hours and hours of like anime and cartoons and play video games and read comic books. But like with trying to build this uh, like, comedy library of uh material that's just me talking about it in front of people mm -hmm. that's just the most fun way to do it and it also makes it not feel like i'm wasting my time <laughs> like when i play zelda for 100 hours if i go on a podcast it becomes about research it, yeah exactly that's what i say all the time like like my girlfriend will be like why are you watching this movie again i'm like it's research research it's research <laughs> yeah like why uh, did we have to go see the movie in the theater like i gotta talk about it <laughs> and then uh uh what you know, I always say with new comedians and new writers, what, what advice would you give to someone that's starting out in comedy? Mm -hmm. the, I think the best advice is the thing you hear the most, which is like, just do it. Like so many people will, you know, what if their whole life away and it's like, you don't get better at it by not doing it. You right. know, like start a YouTube channel, uh, just get out there. You know what the best, okay, I'm going to switch this. <laughs> a lot of people tell me they don't want to make a Patreon page. Because they're like, oh, I feel bad when I'm asking people for money. It's like, no, literally anybody who accepts a paycheck is asking someone for money. Like, you have, if you can get paid for what you're doing, and there are people who will pay you for it, let them pay you for it, dude. Like, right. make a Patreon. Because especially the website Patreon, I love Patreon. I love it as a platform. The worst you can do is like not make money, which you're already doing. Right. But if one dude is like, oh, I'm gonna give this guy two bucks a month, then that's two bucks a month you didn't have. You know, Patreon takes fifty cents of that, but whatever, you still get a dollar fifty. It's something like that. It's oh, it's not geez. that much. It's okay. it's not that like, much. But when you get an, when you make enough that you have to pay taxes on it, that's when you get fucked. <laughs> like that's the the government does not treat people who live off of uh, Patreon well uh, at all. I'd imagine not. But no, the the Laser Time guys have a lot of stories about that. <laughs> uh, all right, so yeah, I think that's everything. I cool. Have. All right, thanks, Matt. Cartoon YouTube.com slash cartoons one one. I'm turning this off because I'll do that later. Okay. Matt's major project these days is the YouTube channel Cartoons One O One, where he talks about cartoons, the history, some interesting trivia some facts and everything that you need to know about cartoons i personally recommend the episodes about robin williams and aladdin and the influence that steven spielberg had on animation in the 80s and 90s i've embedded a bunch of the episodes over at my first sketch to check them out there's also a cartoons 101 patreon if you dig the work and want to support it don't forget i told you at the beginning this saturday 7 p.m i'll be performing during one minute monologues at goody good comedy and then July 23rd, 4.30 p.m., a live My First Sketch during Philly Podfest at the Philly Improv Theater's second stage with special guests, the incredible shrinking Matt and Jackie. Tickets are already available. There's a link on the Facebook page. My First Sketch is a Philly Sketch Fest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com or on Twitter at phlsketchfest. Also, for more information about comedy in Philly, head to watercooler.com. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. And of course, like my first sketch on Facebook. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. 
Gussie some comedy.